So when I was a kid, uh, we went on this family vacation to this place called Fort Lewis Lodge. It's out in Western Virginia. And, and this was kind of how growing up our family did camping. I know some of you like have your campers and have your tents and stuff like that. We'll go out in the woods. Um, this was uh, like our version of camping was going to a bed and breakfast out in the woods. So as some of you I know, you're like, that's exactly the kind of camping. Like my wife's idea of camping is going to the Holiday Inn Express. You know, I mean, you're just not going to do it a normal. All right. Y'all need, to, y'all need to go into a tent for at least a couple nights. I mean, you you got, you got to do it. Be one with nature, at least for a little bit. Don't take a shower for a couple days. It'll, it'll be good for you, I promise. Uh, so we went out to Fort Lewis Lodge. Uh, great place. It was really nice. Uh, like I said, in the middle of nowhere, right next to this river and stuff. We went fishing, all, all kinds of uh, cool stuff. So as a kid, very memorable experience. But one night was more memorable than the others because the owners came up to us, all the people that were staying uh, in the at the lodge, and they said, hey, do you want to go spotlighting tonight? Anybody, uh, like, have you ever gone and done that before? All right, as a kid, all right, just a couple of you. More people in first service have been out in the woods, apparently, than second. That's all right. Uh, So we went out, and we got into this truck. As a suburban kid that grew up in suburbia, like, I had no idea what was going on. This didn't sound exciting to me, because I discovered that we're going to all pile up into this pickup truck. We're going to drive out into this field in the middle of the night, and turn a light on. Like, that just didn't sound exciting to me. But it was interesting because we go out and we do this. We get into this field, turn this big spotlight on and shine it into the field, and we see hundreds of eyes looking back at us. I mean, we're looking at like a herd of 70 deer just standing there hanging out. Never seen anything like that in my life. It was amazing. They all just they all just froze. You know, just, that's what deer do in headlights. They just looked back at us. It was so impactful in my life that um, I actually had my own little spotlight. Uh, and we kind of live out in the country now, and our neighbors have a field out of our backyard. And uh, so I have this, I, I didn't get paid to endorse this or anything, but this is a Stanley Fat Max. Uh, my parents got this for me uh, for Christmas a couple years ago. This thing is, this thing is awesome. So I'm not going to shine it at you uh, because you would hate me and throw stuff at me, but I just, I just want to show you how bright this thing on. This, this is the brightest setting. That thing is awesome. Like, I just shine this thing around. I mean, even with the stage lights and stuff like this. I mean, this, this, thing, this thing is pretty amazing. And so I'll shine it out of our, uh, you don't want to see all this stuff, though. It's like, that's all the stuff we're trying to keep dark on purpose. And now I shine a light on it. Um, this, this thing is awesome. So I'll shine it out and back and see what we have running around in our backyard and see deer and fox and all those you know, raccoons, possums, skunk. We've had a skunk come by a couple times, uh, so we try not to scare that thing. Um, but it's, it's pretty fun to do that. You, you know why deer, you, know, you phrase deer caught in a headlight, you know why they freeze, right? Do we, anybody know? You drive up on a deer, you shine a bright light in their eyes, why do, why do they not move? Anybody know? Because they're blinded. I mean, it's the same thing you would do. Like if I shine the spotlight into your eyes right now, you'd be completely stunned because you wouldn't be able to see. Their eyes are specifically uh, made so that they can see better in the dark. And so when you shine a really bright light into their eyes, they don't know what to do. So you might be thinking, you know, they're standing in the middle of the yard. Why don't somebody yell scatter and run? Because you know, they'd be running into each other and into trees and stuff. They don't know where they'd be, be going. So they're kind of stunned when that happens. And, and that's kind of what 
revelatory truth is like in our life. When we come up against something that we didn't know to be true or we had this like carefully curated idea or you know, set of information about how we thought life was or the, the perspective that we had on a person and that is changed when truth is brought to light, when things are brought to light, you've heard that expression used before, it can be kind of stunning. Like it can kind of like leave you in, in, in your tracks and uh, it, it'll shake you just a little bit. You get caught in the headlights. Think about this list of people. I'm just going to read a short list of people and how they were talked about before facts about their life were brought to light versus how they're talked about now. I'm not trying to be controversial with this list or anything like that. It's just the reality of some of the, the conversation that's, that swirls around them now that certain things have been brought to light about their life. Joe Paterno, Bill Cosby, Tiger Woods, Lance Armstrong, Tanya Harding, Barry Bonds. You think about the contrast of the before and after when things in their life were exposed, when darkness was revealed, when you're not expecting to see anything when you go out into the field and you shine this bright light and there's tons of activity going on that you never knew was going to be there in the first place. And as Jesus is, is talking about this next parable that we're going to be talking about uh, today, he evokes this idea of light exposing and revealing in the darkness. Here's what he says in Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He says to the crowd around them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? And the reaction here is kind of a rhetorical question that Jesus is asking. Everybody hears him say this and I mean, do we go into our rooms and switch on the light switch and then say, oh, we need to cover that up? It's like, no, this is kind of a duh thing. Of course we don't do that. This is not how we respond to light. The reason that we light a lamp and put it on a stand in our house is so we can see. So, of course, we're not going to put it under a basket. Of course, we're not going to cover it up. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom here. He said, this is, this is kind of what the kingdom is like. When you have the light of the kingdom in your life, you don't hide that. That's something that you said that you, you have everything pointed to in your life. This is the light that's going to shine and reveal and expose everything that's going on in your life. This is the light, the kingdom, the life-altering, perspective-changing, illuminating, destroying the darkness in our lives, life-giving light. This is the light that brings resurrection, that changes our trajectory from eternal death to eternal life, the light that brings salvation to us and to others. This is the light that we can't help but live in. This is the light that we desperately desire to have shine in our lives. And this is what the kingdom is like. Now, Jesus isn't talking about like, something that's, that's completely new when it comes to this idea of letting the light of the kingdom shine in our lives. This is old. This is something that's been around for generations and generations. If we look back into the Old Testament and look at how God wants the people of the promise to live out the promise in their lives. Shining light, their lives centering around that has been an, an old thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God says this to his people. This is, these are the instructions on how they were to live as people of the promise before they were about to enter the promised land. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
this idea of God being the light, being the forefront of our lives is meant to impact and infiltrate and expose every and reveal every area of our lives. Um, one of the things that's kind of cool uh, made me think about is Arts Camp is starting this week, which is great. So if you haven't registered your kids or invited friends and stuff like that, you can actually do that in the lobby this morning or still go to velocitychurch.info and do that. But it starts this week. And one of the things that I think is great about Arts Camp is the kids come away with some tangible uh, stuff that they do as part of their projects and things that they're learning. Last year, um, we actually, in the front hall of our house, when you walk in, we have one of the projects hanging up in our house. The kids did this, uh, I don't really know what you call it, but it's a, it's a wall hanging, and it's got all the fruit of the Spirit on that. So if you were to walk in our front room of the house, like we have one of our arts camp pieces hanging there is the first thing that you see. And I think part of what God is talking about is, yeah, I mean, you, you want uh, things that you can see, physical uh, things you can relate to, like us identifying as Christ followers, having obvious things that point to God that are in our life and that are part of everything that we do. But for some reason... As Jesus talks about this idea of light shining in our life, I don't think he's just talking about external proof of our faith in Jesus. He says in verse 22 and verse 23, For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. When Jesus says let them hear, that, that, that means you better listen. You know, pay, pay attention to this. Because then we start to... We start to Listen to that. Whatever's hidden is meant to be closed, dis- disclosed. Like, things are supposed to be revealed in the, the darkness. Start to think, all right, so yeah, of course you don't want to cover up light. Well, yeah, but what if, what if you can't control what is, what's exposed? I mean, because if I'm holding the spotlight, like, I, get to, I get to point it in the dark spots that I want to point it in, right? I, I get to direct this light and show what I want to. So it's kind of like when somebody comes over to your house, you've invited them over. Maybe it's the first time that you've been there and you give them the tour, right? Where do you start with the house tour? What's that? Foundation. Foundation. Well, you start in the clean rooms, right? You're you're trying to be too deep. That I'm not going that deep, Chris. Yeah, it was good. It's a good try. You start where the rooms are clean, right? You you don't say, hey, you know what I really want to show you? I want to show you my crawl space. Let's go check out the attic. You know, um, there's two closets I'm not going to show you, and it's not because they're filled with all the stuff that I threw in there right before you got here because I don't want you to see all of our junk, right? <laughs> and why is that bedroom closed? Oh, it's not because we threw all our trash and stuff in there that's normally out because we want you to think that we live a little bit more cleanly than we, than we actually do. Right? We, don't, we don't show people the, the dark stuff, you know, the, the, the stuff that's in the closet that we have hidden. That's not where we go. That's not what we want to expose, the stuff that we choose uh, to do. We're, you know, perfectly content to live with that out when no one else is around, but we don't want other people to see that kind of stuff. Kingdom of God doesn't work like that. We don't get to control where the light shines and where it's directed. And so if we start thinking about these ideas of, okay, the kingdom of God is kind of a, like a light in a house that exposes darkness. Initially, that sounds good, but then, like, what, what's going to be disclosed? And what's going to be brought out into the open? When Jesus says, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open, if we apply that sentences to our lives, like right now, today, does that kind of make you nervous? A little bit, a little bit sweaty? It makes me a little sweaty and nervous. Like, we, you you know, slides every once in a while to show stuff and have scripture up on the screen. What if, like, we just started scrolling all the deep, dark secrets of my life on screen here? Like, would you guys be comfortable? With, some of you would be, you know. That would be kind of uncomfortable for all of us. 
Like, what if, like, all the egregious sins that I've committed, all the things that, that have been dark in my past, all the stupid mistakes that I've made, what if that just got displayed on the screen for, for everybody to see? Or what if, what if it was you? What if somebody was following you around, had a documentary on all the candid camera moments of your life where you never, you know, people, people aren't going to hear what I say here. They're not around, so they can't see what I'm doing. You start having your internet history start scrolling, you know, on the, on the screen. You know, what, what does it really mean to have light expose us and reveal us? There's not one of us that wouldn't be supremely embarrassed at that level of exposure. But that's kind of the nature of the kingdom. That's what Jesus is getting across with this parable. That is the kingdom is meant to be revealed and to be exposed. It's meant to be at the forefront of our life. And it's also the nature of the kingdom in our lives is to reveal and to expose it's a characteristic that doesn't allow the kingdom of God to be suppressed in our life. And it's because light will always conquer darkness. But there's, there's also kind of that, that tension there where it exposes and reveals the fact that the light doesn't come from us. That you and I are in need of a savior. And so here's, here's kind of where we start when it comes with the light of the kingdom. We recognize that the more areas that we allow the light of the kingdom to shine in our lives, the brighter our lives will be. Like we, we get, or at least... Hopefully we understand the, the idea is, is that if we're looking for answers to the questions of our life, we'll find them within the kingdom of God. That if we set up God's word and the salvation of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit on the stand of our household, our darkness will be defeated. That's the promise of the kingdom of God. Our lives will be brighter because we choose to reflect the light of Jesus. And that, that's how it works, right? That the light doesn't come from us. We understand that when we see things, we're seeing light reflecting off of things. That's how we're able to identify things. But did you know there's different types of reflection? I mean, this is one of those things. Like, I, I never really paid attention to that a whole lot until I was looking into this. That, like, there's different terms and different ways that light is reflecting off of things, and it, it causes us to see things a little bit differently. So one, for example, is diffuse reflection. And this is an example of diffuse reflection. This is water. Hopefully you can, you can tell that from the, so, so the light is reflecting on that so we know what it is. And we can kind of tell that maybe there's some other objects where light is reflecting off of that and shining into the water. But primarily we, we just know that there's water here and we see the ripples and the effects. It's kind of a rough surface that's there and we're able to identify what it is. The light of the kingdom is kind of like this, where it's going to expose every bump and wave in our life. It's going to reveal the crawl spaces in the attics, the skeletons in the, craw- in the, in the closet. There'll be tears and confession and re- repentance as a result of that. But the, in the end, we'll be able to see clearly. We'll be able, to be, be able to see ourselves clearly, especially in the light of Jesus and the fact that we need him as Lord and Savior because obviously things aren't perfect. Not that I've ever been in a club before. That's a great like, start into something, isn't it? Not that I've ever been in a club before, but club looks great when the strobe lights are on, the glow sticks are going, and all that kind of stuff. The music is pumping, and it's really dark in there and stuff like that. But you ever seen one when the overhead lights come on, and the janitorial staff comes in to clean up? And you say, man, things look a little bit different in the harsh light of reality, right, And these things. This is what the light of the kingdom does. It can be stunning and overwhelming, and we can have that kind of deer in the headlights look, but it helps to reveal and expose the fact that not only do we have a need of a Savior, but the light of the Savior will shine on our lives. And, and to erase 
and smooth our rough spots. That's why Jesus came. Is that the longer we work on and, and continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, the smoother and more beautifully the light shines and reflects in our life. Because here's the, like we've started here with the diffuse reflection so we can identify like where we are when it comes to, when it comes to God. But here's the goal. The goal is specular reflection. And specular reflection is a mirror effect. It just simply reflects light at the same angle at which it hits the surface. And so we get pictures that are beautiful like this where there are no ripples in the water. There are no bumps. There's no waves. And we're able to see clearly the picture that's meant to be reflected in our life. See, the more you and I allow the light of God to, to shine in our lives, his kingdom to reveal and expose us, the more clearly others will see God as a result. Just as salvation recreates us, and when we put on Christ, that's who God sees us instead of our sin and our ugliness. When others see us putting on Christ, shining the light of the kingdom on a stand in our household, they see God, not us. Because that, that's, that's the goal. Is for it not to be about just about us and God's saving work of grace in our life, but, but how you and I get to shine and reflect that light of the kingdom so others can experience that same, same saving grace as well. Because with the promise of light, there's also a warning of darkness. Jesus finishes this parable in verses 24 and 25, and he says, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And what he's saying is that those who let the light of the kingdom expose and reveal their need for a savior, they're the ones who respond to that need for salvation by saying, all right, God, I need, I, I, I need your son. Like that's who you sent to be a living sacrifice for me, to take away my sin and my ugliness. I'm going to rely on that. And so not only do you get the joy and the benefit of experiencing that gift of salvation in this life, but we are looking forward to the hope of eternal reward with God after our death. So, but, so, so that's how those who have here get more in the end. And, and that's why people who don't have here get even less later. Because when we hang on to our darkness and we don't let it expose ourselves and be on the stand of our life and be the primary thing for us, when we hold on to the things that keep us separated from God, like not only does it keep us from being able to experience the joy of light reflecting in our life, but it, it keeps us separated from him in the end as well. When we live this life separated from God, God will give us what we said and acted like we wanted in this life for eternity, separation from him. And that's, that's the hell that so many people choose and live in. And that's why we're called to be people who live in the light of the kingdom. When Jesus says, the measure you use will be measured to you, he reveals that this has always been about the condition of our heart and our mind. It's there that we decide whether or not we're going to shine the light of Jesus in our life. We ask ourselves internally, do we make our decisions, do we think the things that we do, do we relate to people the way that we do because we're more influenced by God's word and living in his kingdom or by the standards of the world and culture around us? This was the constant issue for the Israelites and why eventually they didn't get to be the sole people of God who was reflecting his light. And sometimes we're no different. They, they struggled with this idea of letting God consume and be a part of everything that they're doing, being the sole reason for why they live their lives. Even in their religious observances, they collectively 
messed up the whole reason for why God was calling them to worship in the ways that he was calling them to worship. In Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah the prophet is told by God to share this message with his people. And he's just talked about at the beginning of the chapter how the Israelites had completely missed the point of fasting. Uh, for, for God, which is something that the Bible talks about, something that we're called to do. The, the point of it, though, is not for religious observance and to make us feel better about doing something hard for, for God, but, but for us to recognize that our sustenance, our life is fully rested on him. And so this is, this is what uh, Isaiah was told to tell the people in Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And the reason that we respond to God in these ways is not because we're trying to save ourselves, but this is the response that we have as a result of God sending his son to save us. This is the way the light is meant to reveal and expose us that we have a need of a savior. It's meant to reflect off of us so others can come to know that savior as well. So long story short, in the parable of the lamp is this. The kingdom of God shines brightly. Don't, don't hide it. Don't hide it in your life. Let it reveal and expose the areas in which you know you need God to redeem and resurrect you. In, in light of this parable, I think there are two questions that we need to consider, and maybe this is something that you need to deal with this week, and it's, it's these two things. The first is this. Maybe there's a confession that you need to make. Like maybe there's something that, that you know that you've been hiding and keeping in the darkness because you, you, you don't want it to be exposed. Like it's the kind of stuff that we'd be embarrassed to have other people know about us. And, and by confession, I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying you need to come up here and like put on the screen like all your, all your, your stuff. But it, it may be you sitting in a room with a spouse or a friend or a fellow Christ follower and weeping over your sin. I mean, if you haven't done that in your life, maybe, maybe it's time to do so, to allow that, that darkness to be revealed and exposed so God can do away with it. Or maybe, maybe this is the question. Maybe it's not a confession you need to make, but maybe there's a profession you need to make. That, that maybe, as a Christ follower, maybe it's simply living as one or, or being willing to for people to know that you are one and, and then dealing with that in your conversation and relationship with others, how you treat and interact with them, reading through Isaiah chapter 58 and understanding like what it means to change our heart and our mind and our thinking and how we relate to other people and what we do with our lives, that, that maybe that's the profession you need to make. Maybe, it's, maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you've not ever made a decision to go all in with God where you said, hey, I, like I, 
I understand that truth reveals my need for a Savior, and so I, I, need, I need salvation. And th- that, that's the whole reason that Jesus came. That's why we celebrate communion every Sunday at Velocity, because that, that's, the, that's the pinnacle, that's, that's the, the crux on which our faith is based on, is that he shines the light as a living sacrifice of salvation, and that's our need because we're separated from God. Maybe, maybe your decision, maybe your profession is like, I, I'm ready to be baptized. This is, this is a decision I need to make. And you can, you can put that on your Connect card. You go to velocitychurch.info. What, whatever your decision, uh, you know, you don't have to stand alone in that. We're here to walk through that with you. That's why we gather together as a church, is to live in that light, to let it reveal and expose not only our need for a Savior, but, but for the world, and to be a place where people can come and to find and know and experience the saving grace of Jesus. That's why we take communion, and we're going to do so uh, together this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we have to worship, to um, be able to live in your light, and uh, to be able to reflect that with others. And God, help us to um, bravely allow the light to shine everywhere in our life. Um, allow it to, to change our hearts and our minds so that others can be changed by it as well. God, we thank you for Jesus and for his living sacrifice, for the salvation that we don't deserve and the kingdom that we get to be a part of to uh, draw others to you. In Jesus' name, amen.